Hi everyone, and after an extended bye, welcome back to Buy the Laces. My name is Bilal Malik, and this is my co-host Trenton Cito. How are you, Trenton? Absolutely fantastic, Bilal. How are you doing? I'm also doing fantastic, man. It's been a long, what is it, three weeks, four weeks since we've done a show? Something like that, and uh, uh, I mean, the news never stops. <laughs> the news never stops, even if our schedules didn't allow us to do a show. It's been good to be back, and I am pleased to share, Trenton, that we have a new co-host joining us today. Please welcome our good friend, Tom Gorski. Tom, welcome. we're happy to uh, welcome you to the team. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, you know, it's definitely great. Love to talk about football. Um, you know, I'm just really excited to get the opportunity to talk football with you guys, give my opinions, and see how it all turns out weekly. And uh, Trenton, if you... Uh didn't notice already tom is a vikings fan so we i don't know if this is a good idea of letting the enemy into our into our home but uh, we'll see how this works out well you're gonna have to be a little careful with your rants uh you know just in case tom decides to share a little bit of information for this uh coming week and yeah, one thing i know about tom is that tom does not shy shy away from giving his uh opinion and uh, it'll be great to have this additional additional voice to our to our gr- little group here so uh let's get into it guys so um when the nfl's offseason happened last year one of the biggest surprises was urban meyer the old ohio state head coach being hired for the jacksonville jaguars head coaching position and at that time it felt like it was a, an interesting move um no less and there have been a lot of developing stories over the past, um, over the course of this season. One of them being, of course, that the Jaguars have only won two games, but has not improved anything from the previous year. So, and one story that came out this week was that former Jaguars kicker Josh Lambeau said that Urban Meyer kicked him before preseason practice. And this is just one of many bizarre stories that have been coming out of Jacksonville in recent times. So I'd like to just hear you guys' take on this whole Urban Meyer fiasco. Um, it's the Urban Meyer experience has been an absolute disaster. Okay, it's it's been horrendous. There has been nothing but a toxic culture that he's really interpreted into the organization. Um, it's Trevor Lawrence is he's been known as a generational talent now, uh, you know, in this, he's had one of the worst rookie seasons in recent history, I would say. And I think him just being around has simply just really like um, killed the development of Lawrence. And it doesn't help that to go along with this kicking situation. Um, It was, you know, Urban Meyer, he would cuss at his players, you know, during games. Um, I was reading an article about the Urban Meyer situation and he was calling guys dip bleeps you know and he told josh lambo i read the article from uh tampa bay it was a tampa bay writer who covered it and he said well, why don't you make your kicks today and then he kicked him in the back of the leg and uh, lambo said you know it wasn't like hard or anything but he said it was still didn't feel great it was about a five out of ten um so just to go along with the toxic culture. Um, we saw last week that um, him and Marvin Jones got into a very heated exchange, which then led to Marvin Jones storming away and driving off of the facility and ownership had to get involved. And eventually Jones and Meyer um, 
business like you know they just settled it because you know then they you're getting paid to play football but um it, you know it just shows that you know maybe the Khan family should have done a little bit of more of a background check on Meyer and maybe talk to other players and coaches that he's worked with in the past and uh after the game this past Sunday um there's a reporter who asked about Andrew Cisco getting more playing time and uh he's like you know he got a few more snaps today and, uh, you know, we're going to look at the film and see if we could get more snaps. And it turned out Andrew Cisco had zero snaps on Sunday. I saw that article. Coach. Oh, no. Uh, so, you know, it's been an absolute disaster. And um, he's plus 175 in Vegas right now to be the first coach fired. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens because I feel like more and more stories are going to be coming out until he's fired some, or let go or resigns, similar to uh, John Gruden in a way when he was with the Raiders. Um, there was speculation that more and more was going to be leaked until he finally resigned. Um, just because, you know, the look and image of the NFL will always take priority. Um, you know, you guys could go on and tell me what you guys think now, too. Yeah, I mean, you know, Meyer's been known as this hotshot, incredible college coach. But honestly, I feel like all of these incidents that have been occurring throughout this season have been very very much that of a college coach i mean he's mm-hmm. he's yeah. kind of just feeling like he's one of the guys but he's not getting any respect from his players and he's treating them as if they're kids and he's better than them and i mean you know it's just not working out for him these are grown men that he's coaching honestly these aren't uh, these aren't uh, people right out of high school anymore um, we always talk about, in general, how the college game is different than the pro game in terms of speed and just the way that people are playing, even though it's the exact same sport. I think the same thing can be said for coaching. And, like, yeah, now, let's take this out of – let's take this out of football. Imagine Trenton and Tom, you guys are in a, a real-life office environment and your boss comes up to you and he's, like, kicking you in the – in the in the legs and it's like you you just don't do that to anyone like he you want someone to respect you i mean respect in any situation respect has to be earned and it's like why why should i care about you if you're going to treat me treat me like a lesser person and uh i think uh i think that in the moment of last year everyone was excited that Urban Meyer was coming. They were thinking he might provide something different that had never been brought before to Jacksonville because, again, Jacksonville's been a struggling team for God knows how long. And, um, I mean, yes, they had that one AFC championship game appearance in which they lost to the Patriots back in, like, 2017. But other than that, that was, compared to the history of Jacksonville, that's like a fluke year, basically. and. Um, so they brought in someone who they thought they could change the culture, but he basically made it worse. So, and it's not unprecedented for a coach to get fired in his first year. I think the Browns did that with uh, Freddie Kitchens a couple of years ago, even though he wasn't as bad as Myers being right now. So we will just have to uh, see where this goes. We still got four weeks to go and things can get dramatically worse in four weeks. Yeah. Um, and I mean, at this point, it kind of just, gives me traumatic memories uh thinking back to 
when the Broncos hired Josh McCown, or now not Josh McCown, wrong Josh, Josh McDaniels, as their. We talk too much about Josh McCown on this show. I love Josh McCown. Josh McCown's amazing. Um, but no, Josh McDaniels quickly wore out his welcome in Denver, just alienating every player and coach that was there. And I mean, for a rookie head coach, okay, you know, they could make some mistakes. You could see that happening. But for somebody as as storied as Urban Meyer to come in and do this at, you know, the highest level of the game is basically unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, what if Josh McDaniels becomes the next head coach of the Jaguars, though? <laughs> that could be a possibility. It could be a possibility. I mean, they, he's uh, been waiting. You know, McDaniels is definitely a candidate uh, this offseason for many openings. Um, but I've actually heard that if, um, and I quote, they say, but he's gone. Urban Meyer will be gone. Um, I'm going to go on record right now. There's no way you could keep someone like that around. Um, Eric Bieniemy is a name that has come sure. up. He was a finalist uh, for the Jaguars last year with Meyer. It came down to those two. And, uh, you know, Bienemy, he's it's about time he becomes a head coach. And um, mm-hmm. I think he's someone who could probably handle a locker room and he could keep everything under control because he is a player's coach. When Meyer kind of comes across as I'm a head coach, I am God in a way. Like that's that's the demeanor he kind of gives off from reports I've seen that he, he can basically do whatever he wants. He can get away with whatever he wants simply because he is the head coach of a professional football team in the National Football League. And, you know, there are other reports of him talking bad about his coaches and saying, you know, his coaches are losers. I'm a winner. Well, you're a winner a toxic at work environment. college level. It's a little different when you can, when you can uh, manipulate 17, 18-year-old kids and their mothers in their homes compared to professional athletes who have agents who have been doing this for decades. Um, you know, and I think Meyer's kind of getting a little bit of a reality check and he's going to be in the league as fast as he could be out of the league. And it's never a good thing. It's not really good whenever you have more distractions in-house than you do have wins on a football field. Well spoken. Indeed. All right. Well, meanwhile, the NFL is looking to expand globally, which is something that they've been working on for a while, just in terms of games in Europe and in Mexico. And uh, 18 teams have been awarded marketing rights across eight different countries, uh, which was announced yesterday, Wednesday. And it's, uh, it's a pretty fantastic opportunity, of course, for all of these teams to try and work out deals with all of these countries. I mean, the Rams have been assigned Australia. Dolphins assigned Brazil. Uh, the Vikings and Seahawks, Canada. Rams, China. Germany has four teams. Panthers, Chiefs, Patriots, Bucks. Uh, Mexico has Cardinals, Cowboys, Broncos, Texans, Chiefs, Raiders, Rams, Steelers, 49ers. Spain has the Bears, Dolphins. And the UK has the Bears, Jaguars, Dolphins, Vikings, Jets, and 49ers. And I mean, is there a future in which there are international NFL teams? Is that something that's possible? Yeah. Um, I think that's the direction that it's going to go. Maybe not um, like all of these, but I think it's just a matter of time until there's a team in London as an expansion Mm -hmm. team. 
Um, I don't think there'll ever be a team in Canada because that could interfere with the Canadian Football League. Um, so there could be some issues there. But I think London would be the spot. There were rumors about the Jaguars potentially moving there a few years back. Um, they already play games in London, so there's some type of market and fan base there. Um, so if they if the NFL does decide to ever include an ex, an expansion team, which I think there will be in a few years, um, I would say that that's probably the move having a team in London. Um, it's just a matter of when, not if. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, yeah, you guys kind of give your thoughts, but I would say I feel like they might be kind of similar. There are going to be certain countries, in my view, that will not have a team. Like, you can't have a team in Australia. I mean, it takes imagine – a, imagine a game in Australia and then you're going to, like, Los Angeles trying to play the Rams or the Chargers one week. It's like an 18-hour flight or something. It's, it's not worth it. I think the farthest you ever would go to get a team internationally would be the U.K. Because, I mean – Roughly, depending on where you are. I mean, where we are, where we are in Chicago area, it's roughly a I think a six to eight hour flight somewhere, roughly like that. So I think that can be manageable, and teams have done that already, traveling back and forth between London and wherever they're from. Um, Mexico could be a good option to have a team because uh, I mean it's in, it's in the same continent, and I agree with Tom about the Canadian Football League, but I still think we could have a team in there. Um, keep the league separate but when Trent and you were going through this thing I was thinking yeah we could have teams in different countries but what if we establish other leagues in other countries like other football leagues like have the NFL take the lead and try to just grow the sport in a way that each country in itself can have their own league and we can just try to grow the sport overall. Like we don't have to combine them all into one league. Let Austra- let all of Australia have a team, have a league of like, I don't know, 20 teams or something and have them play each other or something like that. Like look, we're trying to grow the sport and make it be more recognizable everywhere. So that could be an option in my opinion. Yeah. And I mean, NFL Europe was – a thing once upon a time <laughs> oh, a while ago before uh before all of our times mainly and uh I, I believe the last year of its existence was 2007 so i mean it's uh it's definitely a more interconnected world now i mean in terms of social media and the internet and just everything information and video and all of that being more accessible than it was, you know, back in 2007. So, mm-hmm. I mean, definitely it is a possibility in terms of trying to get the visibility of it up. I mean, there's a whole, like, uh, there's a Twitter account, an official NFL UK Twitter account, which is trying to broadcast. And these, I know the UK has like Sky Sports where they broadcast their games and things like that. Like they are broadcasting games in the UK. It's just people who are interested in it probably have to be up really early in the morning or really late at night to be able to watch these games. But it's the game's growing, and especially in in London, um, in these European countries. I think just we gotta. I mean, we started, and we just gotta keep expanding. Um, I remember there was probably ten years ago. Now there was. 
the Bears were playing the Bucks in London. And before the pregame, one of the announcers, the sideline reporters, described the environment. And he's like, this is like a Super Bowl-level environment right here, even though it's a regular season game between two teams just playing the game. But just the environment of it, like there is that fan base and there's the potential to tap into this. So like, uh, and the NFL is great at marketing. It's what they, one of the best things to do is market their brand and they care about their brand so much. So it's like, there's the opportunity. We just got to tap into this well of opportunity right here. So, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, do you guys want to go into the playoff scenarios for the upcoming weekend? Let's go for it. We have a few options here. Some yeah. Teams um, be able to clinch. Yeah, so here's some t- potential teams that could clinch um, some playoff berth with a win plus other scenarios, which there's too many. So I'm just going to go over the teams that could clinch a playoff win this uh, a playoff appearance this weekend. Uh, the Patriots, the AFC, we got the Patriots. We have the Titans. And that's it for the AFC. Uh, the NFC is the Cardinals, the Cowboys, the Packers. The Rams, Bucks, and that's it as of now. Those are the those are the teams which I think um, all are pretty are pretty much locks at this point. And I think all the names on the, all the teams on this list, um, I think is there's a legitimate argument that they could be a Super Bowl favorite right now. Can you can you believe that the Patriots spent one year out of it? And then they're already back with a rookie quarterback. You know, honestly, uh, I actually can believe it um, because of how bad their division has been and just of how Buffalo's regressed tremendously. Um, And the fact that Buffalo, I mean, I had Buffalo with like maybe three or four losses all year and they just look off. Um, they're not going to digs nearly as much last year. They're not forcing him the ball as much. And they simply just don't have a run game. And that's what New England does. And New England runs the clock out. They run. They play, uh, you know, per possession, not per half or per quarter per game. We'll just take it one possession at a time. And, uh, you know, I actually think that they probably lose against Buffalo um, two Monday nights ago if it wasn't for the win. Because Buffalo missed a, like a 30-something yard field goal because of the wind and then they were eventually um gonna go for the win on that final drive they could have just ran the clock out but they had they were forced to go for it on fourth and like 15 so that's a potential loss there for new england if there's no weather conditions affecting buffalo and uh but overall i mean they they've drafted well um you know they got a lot of guys back people forget that they had a lot of injuries last season a lot of guys opted out for COVID, so their defense wasn't top five like it normally is. But um, you know, Mac Jones is a is a is definitely a bigger upgrade than Cam Newton as he's regressed significantly. And Mac Jones, he's not gonna he's not necessarily gonna win you a game, but he's not gonna lose you a game. And that's exactly what New England wants to do. They want to run the ball, have a quarterback who can make some big throws on third down. And then, you know, just do exactly what Belichick and McDaniels wants. And I think McDaniels deserves a lot of credit for the, for the development of Mac Jones, um, making Nelson Aguilar relevant again, Damon Harris, Ramondre Stevenson in the backfield. 
Um, Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry at the tight end position, plus their offensive line. Um, overall, they're just a very balanced team. And that's kind of why they're in the position that they're in. You got to remember, Mac Jones is a rookie. Yeah. And he's leading this team. I mean, out of all the rookie quarterbacks, out of any rookie, he's probably – he's winning, in my view, he's winning offensive rookie of the year. I think uh, I think Mac Jones – and it's, it's a testament to the coaching style of Bill Belichick. There's a reason we all call him the greatest coach of all time because all right, he had the greatest quarterback of all time for like 20 years. He lost him. Yeah, he regressed a little bit, but then right back the next year, he's back right where the right, right where the Patriots always are. And like even in the beginning of this year, the Patriots started off in a, in a in a little bit of a slump here, but then they just got back to the old Patriot way, and they just kept stacking those wins. And now look where they are. Yeah, and I mean, Bilal, I remember telling you a while back when we were covering the this year's draft. Um, and when it came to Justin Fields, and I was like, oh, my God, the Patriots have been waiting, have been waiting. Justin Fields is going to fall right into their lap. And, of course, then the Bears trade up and, and pick up Justin Fields. But then I was like, wait a minute, this this is impossible. The Patriots can't just sit at number 15 and Mac Jones just falls right into their lap. And in the end, that's exactly what happened. They picked up their guy and he's leading them to the playoffs now. And it's, I mean, it's, it's crazy that it just works out that way. And I mean, Tom, you mentioned the weather before that brings me back to the game uh, Patriots and Ravens from, I believe last season where it's just pouring rain, like the rain's, coming down vertically and then it's coming down sideways and, and Cam Newton's just all over the place. But um, man, the Patriots just have had the craziest luck in just these past two years in terms of weather, draft picks, free agency, like you name it, it's fallen right into their lap. One thing, one thing I want to pose to you guys is out of these scenarios that we have uh, listed here, which one do you think actually comes true this weekend? Um, I I would say it's probably the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, they play the Detroit Lions. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, the Lions are a complete disaster unless you play Mike Zimmer's defense. So, um, <laughs> honestly, uh, you know, Kyler Murray's back. Uh, I know Hopkins is injured currently, but um, James Conner's gone back to his old self. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, the Cardinals are not – they just lost to the Rams, who are a very, very good football team. Uh, they are not going to lose to the Detroit Lions on – even on a short week, knowing they played on Monday Night Football. Kyler Murray's slowly getting healthier. Um, but, you know, Jared Goff is not outslinging Kyler Murray. Uh, so this game could get ugly. And uh, if they win – like, as long as they – according to the playoff berth here, as long as Arizona wins the game, they clinch a playoff berth. Because they'll be eleven and three, um, so either way, they're going to wrap it up this week, next week. But I'd say there's about a ninety nine point nine percent chance they're going to lock it up this week. And uh, I think they're a little upset with the whole Hopkins injury and losing to the Rams. So I think this could be a bloodbath. We could see a potential thirty five ten game. You know, maybe Cardinals going to the forties. 
Um, Kyler's still in the running for MVP. So, you know, maybe another big-time performance, four or five touchdown game could uh, get them right back into it, and he could be a front-runner for MVP. And right there, Tom is guaranteed a Lions victory right there. Because he, oh, he, the, he gave the signature 99.9 chance. You know, whenever anyone ever does that, never they only beat the Vikings. They only beat the Vikings, I'm telling you right now, from a Vikings fan. Detroit's got our number, man. Uh, you know, they nearly beat us early in the season. Uh, you know, but Detroit's not a bad football team. They, they should have beat Minnesota early in the week. Or not, not last week or two weeks ago, but like early in the season when Cousins led a game-winning drive. The kick, the game-winning field goal towards the end. But they played them tough. They've played the Bears tough this year. Um, you know, Lions realistically should have about four or five wins right now. It's just they've had so many collapses with the Ravens. Tucker uh, hit the longest field goal in NFL history to beat them. So, I mean, you, you include that with the they, Vikings they game. T- they tied the Steelers. They tied the Steelers. I mean, they should have about four or five wins. I mean, so they're not a bad football team, but uh, they're just not on the level of Arizona Cardinals. There's a difference here when you see uh, the way Dan Campbell coaches his team and the way Urban Meyer was, is coaching his team. Like, his players respect him and they care about him and they fight. They fight every week for him. Yeah, they don't um, win usually, but you can see that fight in this team and they're probably they're probably a little ways away from being a good team, but there's that you can see that foundation growing. I remember Trenton when he got hired. We were talking about his his speech on kneecaps. Kneecaps. <laughs> All about the that kneecaps. Was, yeah, I think the the Bucks have a good chance. Also, the Bucks just have to win their game too. But the Saints, the Saints are interesting here, where they can be good, and then they can also be really bad. So it just depends on what Saints team shows up. Yeah, I mean, I believe they beat the Bucks early in the year. Forever Simeon. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, Brady struggles against that Dennis Allen defense. You know, he has the past two years, even though Brady's got the last laugh at the end of the season each time. Because I, I think the – did the Bucks – no. Yeah, the Bucks I think, might have beat them in the playoffs last year. I, I could be wrong, They though. did. They did. did they, they beat him in the divisional round, I think. Okay. Yeah, I thought so. So, I mean, it kind of just all comes down to is Brady on and Brady is on, seems like, every week this season, except that New Orleans game. Because so I think he threw multiple interceptions and one was a pick six to kind of seal it. Um, the game's you know, in Tampa, though. It's going to be a home game. So, the Bucks generally don't lose at home. Uh, it's Brady in prime time. He's pretty much on the money. I think he's almost locked up the MVP award. Um, it's hard to think of any other candidates besides maybe Jonathan Taylor, who could challenge him. For guy, like forty-five years old, and he's still winning yeah. MVPs. He's gonna be stuff. breaking uh, if he wins the MVP award. He will be breaking his own record all over again of oldest athlete in sports history to win the MVP award. He owned it before Ooh. a few years back. We're gonna be. Been, we're gonna be. This guy's been playing since before yeah. we were born. Yeah. And like. Because I was born in December of 2000, so he came in the league in whatever March or something, whenever the draft was. It was like he's been on a team longer than I've been alive, and he's still going, still going at it. So no, and he's got at least two years in him. He's got at least two full seasons, I think, playing at a high level. Um, you know, if he wants, I wouldn't put it past him, but he could play till he's 50. 
because he's I mean, 34 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, going to throw for over four, nearly 5,000 yards yet again. Um, there, there's no signs of him slowing down. And if he wins another championship here, I don't know what else more he needs to accomplish besides just proving to everyone I'm not going anywhere. Mahomes, you're not going to come near me. Okay, the more he plays and the more records he break will continuously solidify him as the the greatest of all time. And he just doesn't he just doesn't ever want his records broken. He just be he just had he just got the completion record, and he's gonna go many, and he's just gonna many, keep adding. How many rings does this guy have? Seven, Seven. right? More than any franchise oh, in all, we just of, need, all of the NFL. We just need three more to get all our man, all our fingers covered up in. Rings. Just need three more. I want to put it past them. There's no reason the Bucks can't win it this year. Even if their defense is taking a step back, um, that offense with Fournette, um, they're really in sync right now. Yep. I agree. Moving on to uh, Tom Brady, coincidentally. Um, so there is this show on ESPN Plus called um, – Man in the Arena, basically documenting Tom Brady and his, like, it's like a docu-series. And there was a, a tweet from his old backup quarterback, Matt Castle. Remember that name? And oh, he said... man. Yeah. <laughs> Matt Castle. Right there. <laughs> and he said, um, I think my interview for Man in the Arena got lost in the mail. And Brady responds, and he said, we had Matt on speed dial in case Bernard Pollard showed up at the studio. Now, Bernard Pollard was the man who was responsible for Brady's ACL tear in 08. And remarkably, that year, the Patriots still went 11-5 without Tom Brady, but they didn't make the playoffs, which is shocking. You lose five games and you still don't make the playoffs. Anyway, um, that's the little joke right there that uh, Brady's thrown. That if you ever Bernard Pollard shows up, Matt Castle's ready to go to take over. <laughs> but uh, it's just uh, it's a little fun joke that uh, Brady Brady has this humor to him that no one really knew about until he joined social media. I mean, I mean, the guy's making TikTok videos, he's posting videos after every game that they win. Uh, he likes making jokes. Um, there was this one video online recently because Peyton Manning was a EA Sports adjuster for Madden, and he downgraded Peyton to uh, downgraded Brady to like forty-seven overall um, in Madden, and um, and then Brady made a video taking shot shot at him. He's like, "Bring me back up to EA. Tell Peyton like to bring me back up to like whatever his rating was because like." It's uh, the guy's having fun. I mean, we just talked about how his success he's been having in his career, and it doesn't look like he's slowing down at all. I mean, it's like 44, 45 years old, and he's still going at it. Yeah, I mean, uh, Brady's been a troll, he's been a huge like troll god since he got to the Bucks. Um, you know, he's having the time of his life in Tampa Bay right now because he's able to play a little more loose and have fun with more control which is why he left New England in the first place. Uh, Belichick doesn't believe that there is a player that's bigger than the team. 
which in fact, in reality, um, yeah, Brady, yeah, he is bigger than the Patriots. Okay. He is bigger than almost every team. You put him on a team, you're guaranteed nine to 10 wins a season. Uh, he, he just has that type of impact. He's like LeBron or Jordan in the NBA, where it's just like, if they're just on the court, the culture that they bring is just so significant. They make everyone around them better. And the, and the true reason he left New England in the first place was because Belichick wouldn't listen to any of his insights, his take on anything, um, players to trade for, players to acquire. Um, and Belichick kind of just said, you do your job. I do my job. I have no interest in your opinion. I'm the coach. You're the player. Um, you know, and in today's NFL and today's sports, that doesn't necessarily work. Um, players mm -hmm. like to be more involved, and that's why you like Rodgers wanted out. That's why Wilson wants out. Players like to be heard, and if you look at a lot of front offices in sports, um, it seems like a lot of these players have more of an impact on bringing players in. And because people, they don't want to play for the team. They don't want to play for the front office. They don't want to play for the fans. They want to play with the best competition. And they want to join the Brady's, the Wilson's, the Rogers, because they know those guys are going to win you a title. The quarterback is the most important position, arguably, in all of sports. And uh, Brady's shown that. You know, his very first year, he left New England. He joined seven and nine Bucks team who – they're they're good enough to get to the playoffs, maybe the few extra games come their way. But um, he was the missing piece. And, you know, he brought Gronk with them. He helped them get a B. He told them the draft Tristan Wirfs, who was the best offensive tackle in the draft last year. He convinced them to draft Anton Winfield Jr. from Minnesota. Um, so, I mean, Brady just brought a whole new type of environment, a new culture to the Bucks, And it, I think it's kind of showing that, you know, his way of playing football, he's adjusted to the times, even at his age for being in the league for almost 20 plus years or more than that. He's been there for, I believe, like 23, 24, 25 years almost now. And just that impact he's brought um, kind of shows that. So I kind of like seeing the Brady. It was a Brady. It was a Belichick. I still believe that it is Brady. Um, I've never been the biggest Belichick guy because um, I feel like Brady always kind of made things a little easy on him when you have Brady as your quarterback even if you only put up, give up 20 points on defense, Brady's going to put up 35 games on the line. Brady's going to win you and throw you a game-winning touchdown or drive you down the field. Um, you know, because when Belichick was in Cleveland, he wasn't that great as a head coach. He had four losing seasons in five years. He had like one winning season. And when, and when he went to New England after that, he, was, uh, he had a seven and nine season. So he had a losing record his first year in New England. They drafted Brady. I believe Brady redshirted that whole year. The second year, they start off 0-2, and, and then uh, Drew Bledsoe went down against the Jets. And then next thing you know, Brady comes in. They lost the game because it was the middle of the second game. But then the rest of the year, they go 11-5. and And then that's when the dynasty starts. So I always had an argument between the Brady and Belichick, but I just think what Brady's done in New England has just been – so impressive and unbelievable that I don't think it's going to ever be done again. And uh, he's definitely earned the respect of everyone around the league for sure. That is true. I think you can make the argument there's both of them. You don't have to put on, on just one of them. You look at Belichick right now, he's leading his team. What we were just talking in playoff scenarios, he's leading his team to the playoffs. The Patriots are going to the playoffs. And it's like just one year removed of Tom Brady, Belichick just had to readjust his philosophy here. I mean, uh, Taylor to a, to a new quarterback after he's been st stuck with the same guy for 
20 plus years, you, you, you got to, I mean, even when we're talking Matt Castle right here, I mean, they went 11 and five the year Brady was gone out with that knee injury, given they didn't make the playoffs, but like Belichick has been able to, um, Belichick they got the most out of Jimmy Garoppolo for a few, few few games that he was in and stuff. He got he got enough out of Jacoby Brissett. He he's able to take whatever he has and mold it into it. But Tom, you made a you left out a uh, a point there. You mentioned Belichick with the Browns. You mentioned Belichick with the Patriots, but you forgot Belichick with the Jets. Yeah, for the before he resigned, <laughs> then he was like traded. He was like traded one day. For like the one day he was on the Jets. Yeah, he actually got traded, I believe, for a first-round pick. Yeah. yeah, Jets and Patriots, they in, – in division, which you wonder if the Jets re, uh, regret that trade. Oh, you think? Yeah, they ended up making a making a trade. We could be talking about the Jets having like 10 Super Bowls by now. You don't know, though. That's, that's the problem is because, you know, Belichick was just mediocre – for Brady, that's always going to be the biggest issue, which is why it's important to see what he's doing with Mac Jones now. But I, what I'd like to talk about a little bit is, in a way, is why isn't Josh McDaniels getting any credit for kind of like what he's been doing in New England? I feel like he's been kind of forgotten about a little bit over the years. I think he's getting credit. I think he's getting credit. Um, Trenton, Trenton's the resident Josh McDaniels expert on this, so I think we should defer to him. Uh, my, my only uh... – Josh McDaniel's expertise is uh, a little little shudder that goes down my spine when I think about him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I only say that just because it seems like everyone seems to give Belichick credit for everything. Um, you know, you know what, what Belichick's done with Mac Jones is, or has been great, you know, but it's like Bill Belichick has no say on the offense. He's well, their head coach. It comes with the territory, though. Yeah. As a head coach, you get the blame and you get the success. Like, if, he, if Mac Jones was trash or the Patriots were trash this year, all the blame would be going to Bill Belichick. And because yes. how he can't win without Tom Brady. But now that they are doing well, the success is also – it comes with that territory of being a head coach. You have to take everything, even if you have little to no – like Bruce Arians with the, the, with the Bucks, right? He – admits himself that he doesn't even go to the offensive meetings anymore. He lets uh, Byron Leftwich and Tom Brady basically just run the show. And, and Bruce Arians, we all know, is the is an offensive genius. But he's, like, barely involved with it, but he also gets the credit that comes with it. So this comes with the territory to being a head coach. Yeah, um, you know, I just – the only reason I, I kind of think that, you know, why Belichick – does get the should get the credit is because one he's the GM. There's not many head coaches that are the GM and the head football coach. So I understand when he hits on a lot of these picks. Um, it just I don't know why. I, I, I'm a McDaniel's guy, so it just seems like he kind of shadowed a little bit at times, and people don't want to give him the respect that he maybe necessarily deserves because of the bad taste he left in the mouth of the Indianapolis Colts a few years back. So he's a very easy guy to hate. And for his choice in wanting to have Tim Tebow back in Denver. So it's like, who really is the, uh, you know, like, like, like who really is, is is a Belichick or some McDaniels, um, you know, but at the end of the day, I mean, Belichick does deserve the credit for drafting Mac Jones. Um, 
And the Mac Jones has been fantastic. Very composed. Everyone's comparing him to a mini Brady. So it's kind of interesting. Are we sure it was Belichick who was responsible for drafting and not his dog? (laughs) I think the dog spent more time in in front of his computer than Belichick did. Yeah, and got Belichick Belichick on auto draft. (laughs) He even lucks out on auto draft right there. Imagine what his fantasy team would be. All right. uh, I think that does it for the news. So, Trent, this is your time to shine. Yeah, off to the injuries. All right. Well, we mentioned earlier in the show that DeAndre Hopkins is probably going to miss the season with a knee injury. Hopefully he'll be back for the playoffs because the Cardinals could sorely use him. Although at the same time, the Cardinals have a ton of wide receivers. (laughs) Um, The Ravens are probably going to be missing Lamar Jackson, at least for a few practices with his ankle injury that they suffered in the previous game. Uh, meanwhile, Sam Darnold makes his triumphant return from injury reserve for the Panthers as the Cam Newton 2.0 experiment has kind of derailed slightly. Joe Burrow has a slightly injured pinky, but he's doing all right. He did practice. Uh, DeAndre Swift running back for the Lions did not practice out with a shoulder injury, so that is going to be rough for the Lions without him. Aaron Rodgers and his toe. Uh, <laughs> that toe. His, his toe is a little worse for wear after the Bears game, but he's expected to continue to play through it for this season. Darren Waller for the Raiders did not practice out with a knee and back injury, which is not good for them missing basically their only offensive weapon. Mike Lennon is going to make the start again for the Giants against the Cowboys with Daniel Jones still out with a neck injury and Jalen hurts. As we mentioned earlier in the show still has a high ankle sprain, but is trending upwards to play. So that's some of the, some of the biggest news in terms of injuries this week, but I suppose onto the bigger news, which is COVID, which seems to be affecting many more teams than the injuries are currently. We're still in a pandemic, if people have forgotten about that. We're still in a pandemic that isn't going away. Uh, COVID, like this, this past week, has been probably the worst week of COVID in the NFL since COVID began. Um, what is it? As of probably the time of recording this show that we're doing, I think there are over 30, I think 30 some people got put on the list, on the COVID list on Monday alone. And it's like, that's partly due to the new variant, the Omicron variant, which um, has been going around, but I mean, I know you guys have gotten vaccinated. Um, Trenton has been boosted. Tom will be getting his booster. I got my booster earlier this week, which, who man, that really took me out of it. But, uh, I'd rather get that one time than having to deal with COVID on its own. I'd rather take this small fraction of the pain and getting um, the actual virus. But the NFL is, I mean, if we made it through last year, when we bare, we really didn't even have any vaccines last year and we filled up, we finished the season on time and everything went well. I think 
the NFL is well equipped to be able to finish off the season, but it's just adjusting to the new situation. Said keep it's 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 a fluid situation. So yeah, teams are moving into Zoom and highly, um, what do you call it? Like just enhanced protocols, basically, is how you would call it. Yeah, you know, it's it's definitely not good right now with all these positive tests. There's been over 100 positive tests in the NFL and NBA over the last, like, two days. Um, you know, the, the new variants hitting harder than the last just regular COVID-19 was hitting everyone. Yeah. Especially not vaccinated, it's going to hit you hard. Um, there's still a lot of players in the NFL that are not vaccinated. Um, a lot of head coaching staffs, um, you know, the NFL is requiring Tier 1 and Tier 2 employees uh, head coaches um, to basically it's, it's a requirement which makes me think that now I mean maybe not in like the rest of the season but maybe next season uh, the NFL Players Association is going to be talking to the NFL owners and um, I will not be shocked if the NFL is going to make it mandatory for players to get um, to get the vaccine of some sort if you want to play and that's going to cause a huge huge issue in the uh, NFL, and there were reports before the season started that um, there were certain players that are, were would just retire, call it quits before even getting uh, the vaccine. And as a Vikings fan, um, you know, Kirk Cousins, Harrison Smith, Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, all those guys are not vaccinated. And those are significant players. And uh, I was listening to close sources to the Vikings in their beat reporters, and they reported that they are fairly confident that if the NFL did make it mandatory, there were a few Vikings players on roster that were just going to retire. They would just give all the money back, call it quits. So if the NFL does make it mandatory, um, you're going to see maybe a lot of key players call it quits. It's going to be interesting. I mean, try to remember when we were – talking and this whole beginning of the season thing and the whole Kirk Cousins thing comes up when he's like, I'm going to, I can put myself in like a plexiglass box or something on the sideline. I mean, the fact that he's willing to go that far to just even suggest that he wants to put himself in a plexiglass box instead of getting a shot in his arm and being um, protected from the virus, not having to go through. I mean, it's amazing to think the amount of, um, explanations someone will come up with just to not get a simple shot in their arm. I mean, you're not the only person in the world who's getting this shot. The whole world is getting is getting these shots. And no one is like dying from getting the shot. People are dying from not getting the shot. And it's like I, I let them retire, in my view. It's like, alright, you're not going to care about your teammate. You're not going to care about this sport you're playing in, you're not going to care about your opponent, then I mean, we're in a close contact sport. Like, we're not like playing golf where you're on your own on a, at one hole at a time. You're, you got 22 people on the field at a time, and you're all going at it. And like, there's no separation between these people. Like, you have some respect for your fellow player or your teammate or your just Respect your life in general, man. It's like, protect yourself. Let's end this thing. Let's go back to normal. Well, we can't go back to normal when we have people like 
Antonio Brown, who comes out and says that I have a, I am vaccinated, but it turns out he has a fake vaccine card. And he, I mean, the Bucks came out earlier this year to say that they were like the first 100% vaccinated team. Turns out no, because Antonio Brown is unvaccinated with a fake vaccine card. So the amount of effort someone has to go into not get vaccinated compared to getting vaccinated astonishes me. And like, this is one of my many rants that I have done during this course this year because it's so dumb. It is. Like, There's a lot of guys who are just, I don't even know, like some of them I actually truly believe like they have like, like legitimate reasons for their beliefs. Cause you know, when it comes to Kirk Cousins, you know, as a Vikings fan, I know everything that's going on with the team and follow all the beat reporters. Um, I know, I kind of know a lot that's going on and with Cousins, it came across as more so of a, religious thing because you know he's super super religious where he is religious to the point where he you know he lives breathes eats you know everything the bible says like his religion is the most important thing in his life which is really good but you know and there's some words like he needs factual evidence that it's a 100 percent thing that i'm not going to die from this there's no complications because there's not like a 100 percent safety for when it does come to the vaccine it's just you should probably listen to doctors, in my so, opinion. They know more than you. But when it comes to him and certain players, it, there's also like a like a stigma of I don't want to do something because I'm being told I have to. And it kind of goes back to where it's like their free will, your choice. And that's what's going to happen, which is if the guys do retire, you're going to see um, what kind of person I would say each, each player is outside of the football field. When it's your choice, it's not your choice. Because when your choice is affecting me, then it becomes a bigger issue. Mm-hmm. Like all three of us, right? We we attend DePaul yeah. for school. And our school mandated vaccines, which was great. I was perfectly fine with that. But it's like, because I'm going to be around other people. I care about other people. I, I don't want to get sick. I don't want other people that get sick I, I want us to all go back to normal life and it's like it's um you're protecting yourself you're not hurting yourself by doing this so it's uh it is i mean let them retire i don't i don't care let them retire let them live their life that way if they're if they're going to be selfish and not think about the well-being of everyone else around them. Um, then, what can I do? Trenton, isn't there a little joke about uh, Odell Beckham Jr.? Oh yes, Odell Beckham Jr., who very, uh, very confidently stated back in October of 2020 that he would not get COVID because it comes down to mutual respect. COVID wants nothing to do with him and he wants nothing to do with COVID. Uh, But this was him as a Browns player. And now as a Rams player, he has tested positive, which means he has either lost respect for COVID or COVID has lost respect for him. And uh, I don't think we'll ever know the answer as to which one that is, but, um, 
probably yeah. had an argument. You probably had an argument with COVID. You probably sat down in the in like in 2020. You probably sat down with COVID. And he's like, all right, COVID. You don't want me. I don't want you. Let's just stay out of each other's business. Something probably went wrong within the past year in COVID. It's like, all right, I'm coming for you, man. And now he's now he has COVID. So LA's yeah. big time. Hey, LA's big time. And you know, when you're in Cleveland, what necessarily is there to do after the game, <laughs> after practice? What are you gonna go do on weekends? You're in Cleveland. Over to LA, yeah. there's nightclubs, there's parties. There's no, and think about it though. Celebrities. Think, He's out more. Think, so I think that think about it in life. Think about it in life in California though. It's the way the state is run is that they basically are requiring you to be vaccinated for anything. Is basically my understanding. Is that to do anything, to do anything, go to eat. Probably, I'm not 100 percent sure on this, but I would logically assume just the way the state is run and the 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 politics behind that is like you would probably need a vaccine, go to a restaurant, a movie theater, to go to gather people. You, and the general consensus of people in that state would want to be vaccinated. So it's like, uh, well, there, as long as people are dumb in the world, we aren't going to be getting any progress. So just got to do your part and uh, get vaccinated. All right, moving on uh, Power rankings. The NFL.com power rankings as of week uh, 14. So we lead off number one, Packers. Two, number two, the Bucks. They were previously number three. Number three, the Cardinals, previously number two. The Chiefs are number four, previously number five. Patriots have dropped one spot to number five, previously four. The Rams moved up two spots to number six, previously eight. The Cowboys dropped one spot from pre- from six to seven. Colts moved up from nine to eight, up one spot. The Chargers moved up from 10 to nine. And the Bills have dropped three spots from seven to 10. And that is the top 10, which the trend you and I have noticed is trend that a lot of the teams have been the same, but... I think uh, seeing the Chargers coming up in the top ten has been uh, has been uh, interesting. I haven't seen their name up here before, so. I mean, the Chargers are having a pretty good season. I mean, Justin Herbert is, you know, his arm talent and just general athleticism is off the charts. I mean, he is he is not what people expected when he was coming out of college and what was it? Was he the one that was like throwing screens at the highest rate coming out of college or something like that? And they were yeah. like, that's, that's not going to work in the NFL. And I mean, right now he's basically on par with Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes in, in terms of standing on one side of the field and just launching it to the other side of the field. So, I mean, Justin Herbert, fantastic quarterback right now hey just look outside of the top 10 too you got the 49ers slowly creeping their way up they were at 14 last week and now are up to 11 so it's like the 49ers somehow have like started to come on i mean we'll get to it in a bit when we discuss our our games like but we get the they beat the Bengals in overtime and like george kittle went off in that game so it's like 
49ers are making a push at it. Um, and then it's all these teams, like we got four weeks left to go, and then right where you think they are. Um, Tom, the Vikings have been ranked number 17. Generous. Which, uh, they were they moved up two spots from 19. <laughs> the first uh, the first sentence in the paragraph, the description for the Vikings says, "Why can't the Vikings just be normal?" It's true, man. Uh, there, there's been a lot of up and ups and downs. Um, there was a stat the other day that if the Vikings just have, if they did not allow any points in the final two minutes of the first half and second half, so just the final two minutes of each half. They would be 12 and 0 right now. You know, um, so it's like they're right there. It's just they can't stop getting in their own way. Um, early in the year, week one, Dalvin Cook fumbles in overtime as they're driving down the field for a game-winning kick. Um, but when you look at it in the review, um, Cook's Cook was down actually before, but that's when they weren't really turning many things around. Week two, they go ahead and they go toe-to-toe with Kyler Murray and that Cardinals team in Arizona. Kirk Cousins leads them for a game-winning drive. And their kicker, Greg Joseph, misses a game-winning 37-yard field goal. They arguably arguably could be 2-0 at that point. Then they beat the Seattle Seahawks the week after. They could be 3-0. Um, they blew a 14 – or no, a 17-plus point game against the Ravens this year and lost. Um, so, I mean, they, they just can't find a way to finish these games. And a lot of that comes down to coaching. Um, Zimmer, it, he will be gone. Mike Zimmer will be relieved of his duties at the end of the season. Um, that's already basically been determined. You just don't know what other changes are going to happen in Minnesota. Um, there's a lot that's going to go on. And they usually can make the playoffs. Um, they need to, as long as they beat the Bears twice this upcoming Monday, in week 17, and they just split between the Packers and the Rams, um, there's a good chance that they'll get in and Washington could potentially miss. And, you know, hey, if Minnesota gets into the playoffs, who knows what kind of damage they could do because they're just as good as any any team in the league. They're just as good as the Packers. They're just as good. They, are, they beat the Packers. They're just as good as the Cardinals. They're just as good as the Chiefs. But they're also just as bad as half these teams, and you saw when they lost to the Detroit Lions. So they're kind of in that middle of the per- – they're like – they're just so mediocre. They're in purple purgatory where you're you're not good enough to be elite, but you're not bad enough to be, like, classified as bad. Um, so, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how they end the season because, you know, but I just think there there's just no sense of direction, and the coaching is kind of their downfall right now of why they can't finish games. Hey, Trent, you want to tell us who's at the, who's at the bottom of the league? Uh, is it the Jaguars? Oh, yes, it is. Hello, Jaguars. All the way at the very bottom. Wow. They've beaten out the the Texans and the Lions. Although the Lions, I must say, in my opinion, definitely do not deserve to be all the way at the bottom. I mean, they are. They've been putting up a fight, but uh, the Jaguars. Hey, your favorite team, the Texans, are second to last. So, uh, Tom Triton, uh, Trenton's writing a full, like, ten-volume book on the the downfall of the Houston Texans. So, um, yes, all uh, about specific- Jack Easterby. <laughs> oh boy, yeah. Where's uh, where's Rick Smith when you need him? 
Oh, man. I mean, the Texans have not been doing that bad that I thought they would be doing this year, but that's only because something worse has come up in the Jaguars. But Hey, Davis Mills is showing flashes. Okay, I loved him coming out of Stanford. Uh, you know, Davis Mills, uh, they, the, the Texans were all set to actually take Kellen Mond before Minnesota took him in the third round. So they, they, they settled for Davis Mills. And um, honestly, I don't think he's too bad. Um, you know, we just got to wait for the whole Watson situation to clear up so they could. Oh, I trade forgot him. about that. You know, because, you know, once, he, you know, they trade him, they're getting a bunch of assets and returns. So they could rebuild and, you know, they could easily compete in the AFC uh, in, in their division. Um, they in the West, AFC. No, no, they're in the AFC South. Yes, AFC South. Um, there's not really a team in that division that you could kind of tell that's kind of like they're going to be running it for the next five years. Um, it's pretty open, I would say, between all the teams, between the Colts, Texans, Jags, Titans. I mean, all those teams, uh, they're, they're pretty much it's, – it's, it's a toss-up year in, year out going forward. Definitely. Um, moving on to quarterback rankings, quarterback index. Number one, Tom Brady. Number two, Aaron Rodgers. Number three, Kyler Murray. All these three are the same as the previous week. No change here. Number four, Justin Herbert moves up one spot to number four. Matthew Stafford moves up three spots to number five. Josh Allen moves up three spots to number six. Joe Burrow moves up four spots to number seven. Darren Carr drops two spots to eight. And Dak Prescott drops nine. No, sorry. He drops five spots to number nine. Does not drop nine spots. Um, Mahomes moves up two spots to number ten. I mean, Mahomes, it's on the it's on the edge of the top ten here. I mean, which does reflect his play recently. I mean, he hasn't been the Mahomes of the past this year, at least. I think it's uh, starting to catch up to him a little bit. He has to change his play to. To just get back to that elite form. Not to say yeah. he's bad or anything, but I mean just... I I definitely like that the top ten right now is just filled with all of these young quarterbacks. I mean, we don't know how long they're gonna Tom Brady stay there. Well, not there. The top two are kind of old, but I mean Kyler Murray year three, Justin Herbert year two, Josh Allen year four, Joe Burrow year two. I mean, there's there's all of these up and coming stars, and I mean, we don't know how long they're going to be stars for, but it's just definitely encouraging to see so many young faces up there at the top. Yeah, um, you know, I actually I agree with a lot of those, um, a lot of the quarterbacks that are in there. Um, I don't think Joe Burrow should be in there. I, I don't agree with that at all. They're, I don't think he's been a top ten quarterback this season. Um, you know, when you have twenty five touchdowns, fourteen interceptions. Um, I'm not necessarily sure how that classifies you as a top 10 quarterback, um, considering uh, Kirk Cousins on the season has two more touchdowns and 11 less interceptions. He's got Cousins on the season has been a top 10 quarterback in the numbers. I would say back it up. He's had uh, three or four game winning drives. He's completing 66.9% of his passes, 27 touchdowns, five interceptions. He's got a 103.5 QBR compared to Burrow, who's 100.6. Um, so it's hard, it's kind of hard to, like, I feel like when people come up with a top 10 for quarterbacks because no one typically looks at the numbers 
they kind of just go off of their own personal preference. I feel like at times, and there's some quarterbacks in the league who just don't get the respect that they necessarily deserve. Like, like, you know, like the Staffords, the Tannehills, the cousins guys who have always been middle of the road that for some reason people just won't give credit where credit is due. Um, At one point this year, Kirk Cousins had 23 touchdowns and two interceptions. And when the Vikings, before that Vikings Niners game, I mean, Cousins was arguably in the MVP conversation if they had two or three wins. Um, I think there's an argument to be made that if Minnesota could just finish a few of these games, Cousins could be the leading MVP candidate with those numbers. But, you know, at the end of the day, his name's Kirk Cousins. And for some reason, the media and everyone else around the world just has some vendetta against the guy. And it doesn't matter what he puts up. I mean, I have, I've had my own issues with him just because of the money he makes for the pro, for his production on the field. But uh, I do think this season, um, I will admit that I was wrong about Cousins and that I do think he does deserve to be in the top 10. And I think Burrow is just – I just – I don't think he's there yet. I think one more year when his numbers improve a lot because I think when, you're, when you've got double-digit interceptions, when you're on pace for potentially 18 to 20 interceptions, um, that's not a top 10 quarterback for me. And uh, he's got swagger to him that, you know, attracts a lot of people. And, you know, him, Jamar Chase, Higgins, Mixon, Bengals are in the playoff hunt. Um, That's the reason why it seems like that he's in the top 10 here. Not more so because of his play, but for the scenario and team he's on and the team's overall record when he's getting maybe a little too much credit for it. That's a fair point. I mean, on this list, your Cousins is ranked 11. So he, but he dropped four spots. So that yeah. means last week he was number seven. So he's right at the the borderline of the top ten on this list, at least. Again, these are subjective lists that we just like to see where these analysts just like to place these quarterbacks. Um, and looking at the bottom of the list, it's who you'd expect. It's the Zach Wilson, the Mike Lennon, Davis Mills, Trevor Lawrence, and it's those people who are at the bottom. And the middle of the pack of the road are also who you would expect, like the Tua's, the, the, the Teddy Bridgewater's, the Matt Ryan's, Carson Wentz. They're all right in the middle. So it's interesting to see where these people stack up over the course of the season as it slowly comes to an end. Um, all right, let's recap some games. First one up on the docket here was uh, the Rams and Cardinals. This was a uh, this was an interesting game Monday night Monday nighter. Um, there was a chance here that the the Cardinals were able to stage a comeback here, but the Rams the Rams prevailed, which made the NFC West race pretty interesting and the, the entire NFC playoff picture pretty interesting as well. So, what were you guys' thoughts on this game? In I thought it was pretty well played um, by the Cardinals all the way up until the end. <laughs> I mean, they even recovered. Um, I would say that. Too. Yeah, sorry, Tom. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, I mean, the Rams clearly look like the more superior team. They came ready to play. Um, their defense showed up, showed out. Kyler Murray looked like he's still not healthy no so I mean he looked very overwhelmed I mean Aaron Donald had three sacks uh James Conner had a good day overall on the ground but I mean Stafford was lighting it up for like the first time all season in a very impactful game where Stafford showed up and 
he showed up to be exactly what the Rams paid for. Um, I really enjoyed the game as a whole. I think the Rams, to me, the Rams are a better overall team, and they did it without Jalen Ramsey and Daryl Henderson, which is which was even more impressive. Um, Von Miller finally made his presence felt. <laughs> um, so I mean, overall, I mean, I, I just think the Rams are just a better team, and the Cardinals are good, but they're a lot better than what their record shows because they've snuck out of a lot of games this season. Um, it's not too often you go undefeated. And they went like two and zero with like Colt McCoy. And they beat the, uh, and I believe they beat, uh, they beat a few f- solid teams. Uh, I don't know from the top of my head, but um, yeah, I mean, I just think the Rams overall were the better team. They C- Cooper Cup was unguardable, and Sony Michelle looked like Sony Michelle from first round pick from New England back in the day. Um, so o- so overall, I mean, I think my, my main takeaway from the game is that the Rams are going to be a dangerous team come playoff time. And I think uh, the rest of the league needs to start to wake up and kind of realize that, that they've kind of just been coasting. It's a fair assessment right there. I mean, the Cardinals threw the ball like 49 times. I mean, when you're trying to throw the ball close to 50 times a game, um, I know Murray had like 383 yards passing, but it's like – and that, that doesn't – it's not a recipe for success. Like, look at Dallas over the over the past couple of years. They've been just airing it out all the time. It hasn't worked out for them, and there's got to be that balance. And the Rams have been playing basically fantasy football, right, with the amount of acquisition, acquisitions that they've been getting. And now all these pieces are slowly – yes, it's taken a few weeks, but they're coming together. And – uh they got the quarterback. They got the defense. They got the defensive players they want. They they're putting all their right chess pieces on the board at the right time, and things are starting to work. So it'll be uh, interesting to see how this whole NFC West divisional race plays out and how it affects the overall uh, NFC playoff picture in the next uh, four weeks. Because you got to remember, there's only one team that gets to buy, and I think the entire NFC, the top three teams are all tied to ten and three. Or roughly like that in that position. So it'll just be interesting to see how these tiebreakers come out. Because the Rams knocked the Cardinals out from first down to third, I think. So just to see um, in one game how the whole picture can change. Uh, talking about thriller games, we got the uh, next one up is the 49ers and the Bengals. Jimmy Garoppolo leads his team to an overtime victory here. Yeah, I mean, they the the Niners blew the lead, so they were very fortunate to be able to hold on and come back and win in overtime because Burrow ended up throwing two second-half touchdown passes to Jamar Chase. And, you know, Burrow was on the money in the second half. You know, he, uh, you know, he came in clutch crunch time. Uh, Brandon Ayuk dropped a potential game-sealing touchdown uh, in the second half that would have basically put the game out of reach. So they settled for a field goal and then eventually bro, you know, let him come back through a touchdown under a minute left. And then um, IU caught the game winning touchdown in overtime. He made up for it. Uh, you know, but, you know, the Niners needed that win. They needed that win bad because if they lost, uh, Minnesota would have taken over because they had the tiebreaker mm-hmm. currently because of the, uh, because of conference play. So, I mean, the Niners, Washington football team and Minnesota Vikings are all tight going forward. It's a must-win week for all three of those teams going forward. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles as well. So, I mean, Niners came out. They played well. 
Um, I think the Bengals played significantly better, in my opinion. But um, at the end of the day, the Niners won it overtime, and they walked it off. Yeah. Trenton? Yeah, I mean, the Niners had the chance, um, even at the end of regulation, where, where Robbie Gold missed a field goal, which I was shocked by because Robbie Gold never misses. Good as <laughs> gold. Good as gold. <laughs> yep. Missed that um, I mean, you know, the 49ers were able to survive one overtime drive from the Bengals, and, you know, they, they had to score, and they did. So, I mean, in the end, they were able to make up for – for missing that that field goal that chance before so and this is the time of year in games like these where teams show you what they're made of when they're on the hunt for a playoff spot put in these type of situations see you have to, you can see what the team if a team is worthy, worthy enough of a playoff spot if you want to put it that way like should they be in the playoffs and based off of where the Niners are headed and the way that they played in this game, I think uh, they are slowly proving their way to, to a playoff spot. So we'll just have to see if they can keep it up for the next four weeks and how these all all these uh, tiebreakers end up playing themselves out. Okay. Oh, God. The next game on the list, Trenton. I um, Do we have to do this one, Trenton? Well, there was some good out of it. You, you don't seem very convinced. Bears, I mean, yeah, I had a great time in the first half. I was smiling. I was having a great time. And then you come to – but then you forget that there are two halves to a football game. I think Matt Nagy forgot that too. What did he say at halftime? He's having fun. Well, I was having so much fun though. I was – I was having so much fun. And, I mean, think about it this way. In my opinion, I was having so much fun because, first of all, I don't like Aaron Rodgers. I just you – know, over the past year, at first I didn't like him because he was the quarterback of the Packers, and that's just inherent in my blood to not like the quarterback of the Packers. But then this year, just the way the guy dealt with so much situations, I've kind of – slowly lost respect from as a person because like the way he handled his whole covid situation like you and i talked about that when we did our shows a few weeks ago and that annoyed me so much and just the way he you get the sense that the guy feels like he's better than other people i mean that just how it comes across to me especially when he's like i put together like 500 pages of research for the NFL and they all thought I was crazy. I'm like, yeah, because you are crazy. Um, anyway, um, I would just would have loved this game to have gone the Bears way and just enjoy the week. But again, I'm going to take, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the positives out of this training. This was another one of Justin Fields' developmental games. And under the lights, he's played two great games of recently. One was against the Steelers, right? Monday night. And for the most part, he played well in this game, except for his two turnovers, which led to two Packers touchdowns, which ultimately was the 
difference in in the points because we lost by 15 points and two touchdowns roughly causes that to happen but if he if he learns to read defenses better and hold on to the ball I think Justin Fields is progressed a lot from the beginning of this season to where he's at right now. I mean, I remember when we talked, when he started, I would keep telling you that he's not ready to play. And at the time he was proving me right and not ready to play. But then I went and saw the game against the 49ers, right? And there were mistakes in that game, but there were also moments in the game where you could see the talent that this guy brings to the field. I still remember that fourth and one, run where he was that happened right in front of me in the area I was at and he just takes off and runs for like a 20 20 year touchdown fourth and one. I mean dude that's that's pure talent right there that you can't coach, you can't teach. And the way he led us like 21 point comeback almost against Steelers in one quarter of play. That was that gave you hope. 27 points in the first half against the Packers. I mean, that gave you hope right there. I mean, yes, it wasn't all him. Jakeem Grant did that amazing punt return touchdown, 97 yards. But just the way the team was playing, it's just like if they can somehow in the future harness that potential that they have right there. We have good young receivers who can play, who have proven that they can play. We just need to be more consistent. And I think this team has a future ahead of it next year. Um, And I like, and I'm glad now, even though I said he wasn't ready, I'm glad that he is getting these reps to play because it just gives him more of an opportunity. Because, again, the college game is different than the NFL. I mean, Chris Collins, or what they're saying this during the broadcast, he said, this is not Ohio State anymore. You can't just stare down a receiver the entire time, which is what happened on his pick six that he threw. He stared down the receiver the whole time. And that's how he got picked off. You have to be able to adjust and he has to throw those pick six to learn not to do that again. With time and practice, he will learn. And I think the future at quarterback of the Chicago Bears is bright. That's my – so, okay, I did look at the positives, Trenton. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, I mean, he he's definitely showing flashes, and you can tell the talent and just the spark that he brings to the team. And, I mean, just hopefully by the end of the season, give him another off season, maybe give him a new coaching staff, give him – a new offensive coordinator that can utilize his strengths better, get him a better surrounding cast, then hopefully he can take off and he can be another, uh, another Kyler Murray, another Justin Herbert, another one of these young quarterbacks that are taking off now. I mean, the plan wasn't for him to even play at all this year. Like if you go to the plan, the original blueprint, that's why he didn't do much in training camp. He, and the reason you see him have such a good connection with Mooney especially is because when he was practicing uh, on his own, kind of like Mooney would stay after practice to just practice with fields, just to get him acclimated to more reps and stuff, but he wasn't getting in the actual practice. Like he will have 
Like he will be going into 2022 as the unquestioned starter. Like there is no quarterback competition. There is no other veteran quarterback who will be uh, there to take to take the job. So he will be the starter. And I think that makes a difference to a guy, knowing that you are the guy and you are getting the reps, you are getting the time. And whoever's in charge of the time, whether it's Matt Nagy or whoever, if the Bears get a new head coach or new coordinators, who knows what's going to happen in that. And I'm not ready to think about any changes we still got. I'm still going to enjoy four weeks if I can just watch games. But you know that the coaching staff is putting the effort into you instead of anyone else. And that just makes a difference to a guy, I think. Tom, any takes on this? Oh, I've got a lot of takes. Um, well, uh, keep it uh, keep it slow. Keep it. Uh... Yeah, you know, um, you know, I think my takeaway from the game is that um, the Chicago Bears owner, I, I, I mean Aaron Rodgers. Um, you oh, know, Tom, you had to go that way. You know, oh. um, I think he proved once again that you know he he owns Chicago. He always has. And as a Vikings fan, I know I'm supposed to hate Rodgers, but I mean, this guy's he's got some swagger to him where he backs it up. Um, he's just, even when the whole world tries to tear him down, um, he's kind of got that little bit of a Brady effect to him where it's just like, he, he always comes out on top. Um, and it's, I like when you have a player who's like cocky, a little bit arrogant, but only if he could back it up. And, um, you know, Rogers has proven that over the years and he simply, um, I think it, I, in a way, I think he was a little, um, I think he was upset that the game was as close as it was in the first half. So then he just went on a tear completely in the second half. I mean, he had four touchdowns. But um, I do think the story of the game is um, is Justin Fields. And it's not necessarily um, some of the flashes he's shown. Um, I think it's more so that he, he shouldn't be out there. Um, there's, there's, there's no reason for him to be out there. He's completely overwhelmed. Um, you take away two of those big throws. He ended with 124 yards and two interceptions and going nine for like 20 on the day. Um, you know, and he's throwing pick sixes. Um, he's last in almost every category passing this season, uh, statistically. Um, he's under 60% completion percentage. He's got under a 70 QBR um, in 11 games played, nine started, only six passing touchdowns. He's thrown 10 interceptions. Um, you know, it, it's hard, it, it is truly hard to evaluate him because you don't know how much of this is Nagy's fault or if he's just simply – this overwhelmed because Ohio state, the um, Ryan day runs a one read offense. So typically you don't have to look to your left and then look to your, or you don't have to look to your right and then to your left. You know, you don't have to like cross your eyes downfield because you typically have the best receiving core in the country. You were Alabama. It's just how it goes in, in at Ohio state. So, I mean, there was no reason for him to start and Nagy was, I truly believe bullied by the fan base and the media and ownership to rush fields onto the field. Um, there's a reason he fell to the bears in the draft for these reasons that we're seeing on the field right now. And, um, you know, it's looking a lot worse on Ryan Pace's part more so for trading a first round pick that now is going to be turning into a top five to 10 pick for the New York giants that will help them acquire Russell Wilson potentially. That's the rumor that's going around. So, I mean, the, there's a lot of pressure on Fields himself to be good. And he's looking arguably as one of the worst in last year's draft class. 
him and Zach Wilson are up there as they're just not looking good. I understand he's showing a lot of flashes, but there's not much that he's doing better on the field than what Mitch Trubisky was doing. Um, and that's the problem. I think uh, a lot of bears fans are having, are really struggling to face right now is that they invested so much in the Justin Fields trading up for him. You're not necessarily getting that return on the field that you're seeing. Cause right now, if Mitch Trubisky's quarterback, the bears potentially could have at least another win or two, I think, cause you wouldn't necessarily have to start Dalton. Um, Mitch, Mitch himself could have won you seven games. And uh, again, it's, He's definitely been part of the issue, but it's like Robinson can't stay in the field. Montgomery goes down. Offensive line isn't great. You lose multiple defensive players. Matt Nagy is gone. You know, he's – so they need to bring in a new coaching staff. But um, for the majority of the Bears' problems, uh, it's been – Justin Fields has been very underwhelming. And overall, and something that also isn't being said enough is the amount of hits the Bears have taken on defense within the past month or two. They've lost – Khalil Mack. They've lost um, Hicks. You know, Kyle Fuller left this offseason. Um, Roquan Smith is still good, but um, there's been a lot of changes. And uh, when you play a team like the Packers, who are as good as they are and have as much depth as they have with a Hall of Famer at quarterback, the Bears had no chance in that game. Um, so, I mean, just being as close as it was in the first half, um, I think that's kind of like a win for the Bears themselves, just because the Packers have kind of been their daddy for the last like decade. Um, it's kind of just a little bit hard to, uh, I would say for, so I'm, I'm not a Bears fan, but as a Bears fan, I would say that's a little bit of a hard pill to swallow seeing how close you were that you look like you're on that level with them. And then they kind of just take care of you guys and they outscore them, I believe like 34 to three or 27 to three in the second half. Um, so overall, um, the Bears have a little bit of, they could grow off of this, but, um, it all starts with the new coaching staff, I think heading into the next season. All fair points, Tom, and uh, we're gonna just see where it goes from here. We still got a, we still got four games to go in a season, and we'll move on uh, thinking about where next season leads us in the off with the with the off season. All right, we gotta close off the show now with our pick segment here, uh, Trenton. We haven't had a show in a few weeks, but uh, you're still maintaining your lead over me. Tom, Trenton, and I have been going back and forth ever since the show. Last year, I was pretty good, Um, but uh, Trenton has maintained a steady lead over the past 15 weeks, basically. So, uh, although you did, uh, you did make a comeback uh, right right before finals, basically. Yeah, but uh, we'll see where this leads us now. Uh, Let's take on the first game of the week and we actually have some games on saturday this week too so thursday saturday sunday and monday so should be interesting all right first game of the week tonight thursday night football chiefs at chargers who are you guys taking chargers <laughs> going chiefs uh you know the chiefs are hot right now um chargers i know they're home uh, they, they got a lot of injuries. Um, there's still no clarification if Austin Eckler will play. And if he does play, how limited will he be? Um, Justin Herbert's blind side, Rashawn Slater, is not playing. And Mike Williams this week has been limited He with a heel injury. He should play. But, you know, it's still something to kind of monitor. And Keenan Allen is coming back a little early from being on the COVID list. So it just seems like a lot of things to overcome 
for the Chargers. And the Chiefs defense has been clicking as of late, which is kind of scary heading into the playoffs because if that Chiefs defense starts to get in the, into a groove, uh, they could just straight up go out and win the Super Bowl and dominate week in, week out. Um, but I do think Mahomes and them are going to get it done. Um, when you have these two close division uh, teams going at it, because the division's on the line tonight. It's on the line. When, whoever wins takes over first place. And um, the Chiefs, I just they're just so good. And when Mahomes is clicking, um, the Chiefs lost earlier in the year in Kansas City. So I think this time they're going to go out and win in L.A. And um, I think they're going to split because it's just those division games are just very tough to sweep year in, year out. Um, I'm going with the Chiefs. Uh, Tom laid out all the all the reasons for it, and uh, so I got nothing else to add to that. Trent, you still going with the Chargers after listening to Tom's whole spiel right there? Or are you still sticking with the Chargers? Still just, still just yep. I'm still going to stick right. with the Chargers. I believe in it. Good for you, Trent. <laughs> <laughs> all right, next up, Raiders or Browns? I'll be taking the I'll be taking the Raiders. Yeah, I'm going to take the Raiders, too. Going to Cleveland Browns. All right. Oh, I'm going with the Browns. Um, Tom, is there anyone left on that team? Yes. Yes, there is. There is, in fact. There are some guys. Last time I checked, one of the best running backs in football is playing in that game for a run-first team, and that's Nick Chubb. Nicholas Jamal Chubb is playing. And, uh, you know, he potentially might only – he'll be missing two offensive linemen. Uh, but Case Keenum – he could play and there's an argument that there's not that much of a drop off from him and baked from Baker Mayfield to Case True. Keenum. True. And I, the Raiders are a disaster. They're an absolute disaster right now. And if they could, and the Browns are missing their, their defense is top five in almost every category this season. And they're only missing John Johnson on defense of miles Garrett's still playing. Jadavian Clowney is still playing. Jeremy Owosu, from the, the rookie from Notre Dame, he's playing. Grand Delpit, he's playing. So the and they're home. The Browns face this early in the season um, when Baker Mayfield didn't play against uh, Denver on Thursday Night Football. They won. Coach Kevin Stefanski, he's out this week. He didn't coach last year in the playoffs in the wild card round against Pittsburgh, and the Browns put up forty plus points and they won. So I do to me, I think the Browns as a whole have a better overall team than Las Vegas. And since the whole Henry Rugg situation, Derek Carr has not looked himself. And if Darren Waller doesn't play, um, there's an argument to be made that even with 11 starters out for, for the Cleveland Browns, that their roster is still significantly better than the Raiders. And I think as long as they can run the ball with Nick Chubb, even with Kareem Hunt out, um, the Browns still have enough they have enough product on the field to pull out a win at home. And Donovan Peoples-Jones is a name to keep an eye out for. Him and Anthony Schwartz are two young receivers on that team who um, who have made some sort of impact during the season. And Donovan Peoples-Jones is one of the most underrated receivers in all of football. He has been great this year. He has been a great number two. And he was, he's probably better than Odell Beckham was in Cleveland. Just he's got a connection. He gets open. And he actually puts his heart out onto the field and wants to be there. And I know Njoku and Hooper are out as well, but I think if the Browns play clock control and they just keep having the Raiders kick field goals, uh, there's a there's a good chance Cleveland could still win this football game and improve to eight and six. 
and this is exactly why we bring Tom onto the show. We brought him onto the show for this type of in-depth analysis. I was going to say, leave it to the Vikings fan to, to bring him Case Keenum. <laughs> oh, yeah. My guy. Yeah, almost <laughs> took him to the Super Bowl. All right. Uh, Patriots and Colts. I'm taking the Patriots. Patriots. Um, you know, this is tough. This, this really is tough because, you know, Mac Jones, he hasn't really thrown a football in like three weeks. Um, they had a bye week. They're on the road. The Colts, the Colts are a really good football team. Uh, Jonathan Taylor has an argument to win MVP if the Colts sneak into the playoffs. New England, it, it all comes down to, to me, it all comes down to can Carson Wentz outthrow Mac Jones? And me, I think so. I think he can. Um, and I do think the Colts, they have a good chance to win this game. I think there's a lot of love for the Patriots right now. And they've had a lot of luck kind of go along their way with the wind against Buffalo. You know, you play the Jets twice, you play the Dolphins twice. Um, they lost to the Bucks early in the year. I think they're, the Colts are going to try if, – if it becomes a shootout, Mac Jones is not going to beat uh, Carson Wentz, Jonathan Taylor in a shootout. They're just not. And the Colts' defense has been really good this year. Matt Eberfluss is uh, going to be a huge head coach candidate. He's going to be on everyone's radar. The Colts have had a top five, uh, top 10 defense three of his last four seasons as defensive coordinator. They've been top 10 in takeaways every single year he's been the defensive coordinator. And, you know, the Colts with Darius Leonard, DeForest Buckner, Rocky Asin, um, those type of guys on defense are just – they're all over the place. They're all, all pros. They're very good. Well, Rocky Asin is not. But um, he's just another guy who's been very good for them. And I think that Colts are going to win this game. It's going to be close. Uh, it's going to be a very low-scoring game, I do think. I, I really think so. It's going to be low-scoring. Mac Jones is not going to throw for 300 yards, three or four touchdowns. They're not. They're going to do clock management. Colts, they could strike it an instant, whether Wentz is slinging it to Pittman, T.Y., you got Jack Doyle, Jonathan Taylor, Naeem Hines. I mean, you have so many weapons there. Who does New England necessarily have that scares you? Um, you know, you got Damian Harris. It's not going to scare you. Ramondre Stevenson, not going to scare you. Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith, um, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers. Are these guys that are really going to really put up for 30 points a game? Probably not, especially on the road. So if on the other hand, the Colts can, though. The Colts can put up 30 points easily. We saw Jonathan Taylor a few weeks back. He put up five touchdowns against Buffalo. So, I mean, it, I just think this kind of, this game favors the Colts. If it's in New England, I would say New England's winning this game. You're in a dome. You're in a run-first team with the Colts. But Carson Wentz on the season, he's been fantastic. Um, he's very He's having one of his best seasons ever. No one's talking about it. He's got 20 over 20 touchdowns and less than five interceptions. Um, so he's he's balling out, and he hasn't even had to even win them a lot of games. So that's why I think they're the most dangerous team in the AFC, potentially, if they could sneak into the playoffs. And I think they'll win this game. Every time Tom gives a long analysis, it makes you kind of question your pick. It's like, do I really want to go with this team now that Tom has listed all these, uh, all these uh, attributes of the opponent? But uh, – no, I think I got to stick firm and keep the Patriots. Um, Panthers at Bills. I'm Ooh. taking the Bills. Mm. I'm going to go Bills, too. This is actually kind of tough. I'll be honest with you. It's tough. But um, I, I'm going with the Bills. The Bills are not losing back-to-back games. I know Josh Allen's limited with a foot sprain, 
Um, he's trending towards playing. Even if Mitch Trubisky starts this game, I'm confident that that they're still going to win this game. Um, but you know, Buffalo is just—they've been off this year, and and I'm, I am nervous because Carolina has the number one pass defense in all of football, and they have Stephon Gilmore, who's going to be covering Stephon Diggs, and Buffalo has no apparent. Stephon versus Stephon. Huh? I said Stephon versus Stephon. Oh yeah. So, I mean, the Bills could win this game. Um, Cam Newton's been horrible. Uh, he's regressed big time. And we see why Belichick and McDaniels moved on from him when they did. Um, you know, Buffalo should win this game by at least 10, I would say. There's there's no reason they're at home. Even if Josh Allen's at 70%. He's bet, you know, he's better than still half the league at 70%. So, um, I think, you know, I could see a potentially 34 to 10 game, you know, 28 to, to 7. You know, it's it, – it's going to get ugly because there's no McCaffrey for Carolina and Chuba Hubbard has absolutely no explosiveness to him. And DJ Moore has been limited all week in practice. So, I mean, it's just hard to see Cam Newton beat Josh Allen in a shootout in Buffalo. So I'm, I'm going to go with the bills as well. Cardinals at Lions. I think the Cardinals is the obvious choice here. <laughs> yeah. Getting good Cardinals. Tom? Gotta go Cardinals. You know, we, I kind of talked about this earlier in the show. And, uh, you know, Cardinals are not losing back-to-back. And Detroit, this is going to get ugly. It's going to get ugly, especially Swift and Hawkinson don't play yet again. Um, It's just it, – it's going to get ugly because Kyler Murray is going to run. They're going to run James Conner. Chase Edmonds is going to be back this week. Um, You know, Zach Ertz is probably going to get in the end zone. So, I mean, it, it's going to be a high-scoring game for Arizona. And I think they're going to want to – put a pounding on them just to show that the Rams game was a fluke. So uh, I'm going Cardinals. I think they'll win by at least 17. Yeah, it's the Dolphins. Going with the Dolphins on this one. Same. It's got to be Dolphins. Uh, Tua's been looking great since the Watson rumors. Since the Watson trade fell apart, uh, there was a reported trade done at the deadline with Houston in Miami for three first round picks and three second round picks for Watson. And, but he didn't settle his lawsuit. So the trade fell apart and they're, they'll regain and then they'll re-engage in talks this off season. But since that fell apart, two has been flawless. He's been great. He's connected with Jalen Waddle. Waddle's about to win. Um, he's going to, he's about to break a record for most receptions in the season for a rookie receiver. Um, so, I mean, just, the Jets have nobody left. There, there, there's no one left on offense. Corey Davis is on IR. Elijah Moore is on IR. Um, Michael Carter, the rookie running back from North Carolina, he's on IR, but there's a chance he could play this week. It, it's not going to make a difference. The Jets are a rebuilding team. Zach Wilson's looked horrific. He's looked arguably as bad as Fields, where maybe they were just not ready yet. So um, I think Dolphins win. Dolphins going to win by at least a touchdown. Cowboys and the Giants. Cowboys. Cowboys. Unless you trust Mike Glennon. <laughs> nope, never it's, did. It's, it's the Cowboys. They're, they're a better team. You know, the Giants won't even announce who they're starting at quarterback. It's um, Mike Glennon. It is Mike Glennon. <laughs> yeah, it's Glennon or Jake Fromm. I've been hearing Jake Fromm could get some snaps on Sunday. It's, it's going to be Mike Glennon, though. They're not going to Jake Fromm. No. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be bad, you know. The Maybe Barkley could carry the team. Not sure if he can. Yeah. Uh, it just this is a bad. He's, he hasn't even. Cowboys are putting up yards. He hasn't even had a hundred yard rushing game all season. 
He's not carrying the team. He can't, and, you know, he's not the same back. And uh, Giants are banged up. I think Galladay's still hurt. You know, their, their defense is still ranked in the 20s. Uh, Cowboys, they, they, they nearly blew it against Washington last week. So I think they're going to want to make a statement, and they're going to want to show because Prescott's been ripped a lot this week in the media, saying that he's the only thing holding them back from a Super Bowl title. Uh, that was on ESPN Get Up. That's been talked about in first take. So um, Cowboys, I think, are going to want to make a statement on Sunday. Yeah, Washington at uh, Eagles. I'm taking uh, Washington. I think I'm going to go with uh, – I think I'm going Philadelphia. You know, um, but I will go Washington if Jalen Hurts is out. Because, I mean, Taylor Heineke, he's hurt too. And their backup, Kyle Allen's out already. So, I mean, I just think even if whether it's Gardner Minshew or if it's um, Jalen Hurts starting, it's still a better quarterback than the opposing team, which is Washington. You know, if Miles Sanders returns and you get the weapons out there, um, I, I, I just think Philadelphia is a better team more so because their offense is significantly better. And Washington does not really have a run game right now. I know Gibson's been looking good in recent weeks, but I just he, he's not going to sustain it. And uh, Phillies, they've been a little underrated. Um, they're in the playoff hunt. Um, if Jalen Hurts plays, they'll win by at least a touchdown. So um, I, I'm going to go Philadelphia, but uh, it, it could go either way. This is one of the toughest games to predict over the weekend. Yeah, I'm going to – I'm leading more towards Washington, I think, just just because of – Jalen Hurts and in terms of the unpredictability of his injury and his availability. Fair enough. Uh, closing off the second half of the week, uh, Titans at Steelers. Ooh, Titans. <laughs> Titans. Uh, uh, no, this is tough because the Titans are not a good team right now. And A.J. Brown is still out. Steelers are at home. You know, this seems like a victory the Steelers are going to win. Um, you know, there's no Derrick Henry for Tennessee. There's no A.J. Brown. Tannehill's been mediocre all year without those guys around him. Pittsburgh kind of got it together towards the end of the second half against Minnesota. Um, if this was in Tennessee, I think I would pick. Um, I, I, I'd pick Tennessee. But um, I think this is the Steelers are home. Uh, the Steelers aren't going to lose back-to-back games, at least by a lot. So this could go either way, but I think uh, I think the Pittsburgh's the pick more so because they're at home, and I think they could win by about three. Taking the Steelers. Um, Robert Trenton, this is for you. Oh, no. Texans at Jaguars. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, Texans. Got to yeah, go Texans. with the Texans. Can't Texans. take the Jaguars. I'm going yeah. Jags. <laughs> I'm going Jags. You know, I, oh, I'm going Jags, even though they've been a complete disaster. Um, I'll take Trevor Lawrence over Davis Mills any day of the week at home. Um, you know, I'm, I think the plan is to get James Robinson the ball a little bit more. And, uh, you know, the Jags, they've they got a lot going on right now. And I think they'd like to pick up a win. Um, you know, it's really it's I mean it's a 50 game. They don't have to pick up a win. They can yeah, lose another one. They don't have to, but I mean these are two dysfunctional organizations, in my opinion, over recent years. And I just think 
the Jags are home. When I don't know which way I want to go, and when I think both teams match up similar similarly, um, I think that I go with the home team for a majority of the time. And the Jags will win this game as long as they give James Robinson 20-plus touches and they don't go to, like, Carlos Hyde and Urban Meyer decides just to bench Robinson for the entire game because he had one fumble. So uh, I think I, I'm going with the Jags because I, th- I do think Houston, in a way, they're not going to come out and say this, but I do think they want to still stay in that top two pick area to take Aiden Hutchinson or uh, – uh, Thibodeau from uh, Oregon. Interesting. Uh, Bengals and Broncos. Ooh. I mean, I'd love to pick the Broncos, but I got to go Bengals here. Yeah, that's what I'm doing too. Bengals. I am also going Bengals. Um, Joe Burrow is significantly better than Teddy Bridgewater. And uh, again, you know, the Bengals are not losing back to back. Not when the playoffs are as tight as they are. And I think Joe Burrow's going to get a little bit healthier with the pinky injury. Mixon, because all last week on the injury report all week, Mixon and T. Higgins were both out all week in practice due to an illness. They were sick all week. So they played in the game sick. Um, They should be healthy this week. Joe Mixon tweeted out earlier today that he's locked in. So maybe expect a big game from him. Um, But, yeah, I mean, the Broncos are just not a good team right now. They're – they're in the middle. They're like the Vikings where they're they're good enough to sneak into the playoffs, but they're bad enough to lose to any team. So, um, yeah, I'm going Bengals. There's Joe Burrow over Teddy Bridgewater any day of the week. So that's who I'm going with. Uh, Tom, just to let you know, in addition to being our resident Texans expert, Trenton is also our resident Broncos expert. Ooh. <laughs> Like Trent, you'll you'll get to learn that Trenton has many titles and many specialties to uh, to uh, to cover to cover and uh, analyze. Sometimes too many. <laughs> Forty Falcons at 49ers. Uh, you know sometimes I forget the Falcons even exist in our league. <laughs> uh, a very fair point. That is a very fair point. Gonna go with the 49ers. Same here. Niners are home. Uh, or, or, or Niners are home, right? Where's Niners are home. Fort Falcons yeah, at Fort Niners. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're gonna smoke them. Kittle and Debo are gonna have a pretty big game, I would say. Um, Elijah Mitchell's back. Jimmy G's been one of the most clutch quarterbacks in the recent re- in the recent weeks. Um, so they're gonna continue to keep playing very well as they're gonna try to solidify a playoff spot. The Falcons are just a disaster. I mean, Matt Ryan's in the Ben Roethlisberger territory right now where it's just time to hang it up, you know, where you're – for as much as you're making, you're not nearly even bringing half of what you can play. Hey, he can go and be in Tide commercials. You know, uh, yeah, he looks like he should be a mailman right now. It's, where the, it's exactly where he belongs. He can't throw a football. The arm strength's gone. I understand you have no Calvin Ridley or Julio Jones like you're used part to. Of me, part of me is amazed that he was once the MVP when he played in the Super Bowl. Like hey, Shannon's got that effect. Shannon can make those quarterbacks look good. There's some players. Yeah. Shanahan's the head coach of the Niners right now, too. I mean, there's some players like Cam Newton's. Like, wait, Cam Newton played in the Super Bowl? Cam Newton was the NFL MVP at one point? It's like some players that they forget. That at one point they had like one good or two good seasons and stuff. I mean, 
early on in his career, Matt Ryan was like leading the Falcons to the playoffs like almost every year and like going pretty deep. But uh, then it tailed off. Um, Seahawks at Rams. Oh boy. I mean, the Seahawks right now are just so unpredictable in terms of what they're going to deal out at any given week. So I'm going to go with the Rams. I'm going to go with the Rams too. It's at home. The Rams just just put a good showing against the Cardinals, Seahawks. Uh, Trenton and I have talked about this in the past. Russell Wilson throws like the best deep ball in the league, but at some point, um, you can't win all your games on just the deep ball. You need receivers to and a good defense. So, at, in this stage, um, the Rams are the team to beat right now in the NFC West. I mean, the Rams are possibly going to have no Odell Beckham Jr. And they've already have Robert Woods out for the year. So that leaves Van Jefferson and Cooper Cup, and then whoever you got left. Um, Russell Wilson typically owns the Rams over his career. He's done well. But to me, Russell Wilson's only as successful as his run game. And, we'll, and no, they're on to their third running back right now with Rashad Penny. Yeah. I know he did pretty well against Houston last week. He had two 50-plus yard touchdowns, I think. And uh, this is has Rams win written all over it. Their defense is going to just igno- annihilate Russell Wilson as they have one of the worst offensive lines in football. But the Seahawks actually have one of the worst defenses in football. They're 32nd in almost every category. And I don't think many – It's uncharacteristic of a Seahawks team. Yeah, I mean, they're, Russell Wilson's holding this team together. If Russell Wilson's off the team, they are the Jaguars or the Jets. That's just well, he was off the team for, like, four weeks. And we, is... saw, and, and we saw what they were. They were horrendous. Geno Smith did the best he could. But, I mean, the roster as a whole is very dry, and it's just not very good. Snyder and Pete Carroll have done a horrific job at drafting in the first round. They don't believe in draft picks. They've failed on a few trades. Russell Wilson's keeping the team intact, but I mean, they, they don't have enough this season to really compete compared to past years. There's no run game. Sure. Chris Carson's out for the year. They have no run game. Um, DK Metcalf has regressed so bad. I don't even know if it's his fault or if they just haven't targeted him enough. But oh, uh, Trenton, Trenton knows why that is. Why he's regressed. Why is that below? <laughs> oh, it's because of Buda Baker, remember? Oh. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Trent, oh. Trenton's got Marshawn Lynch on speed dial, so he might as well have to call him out of retirement again. It might, man. I got a, I got an uncle who's a Seahawks fan, and he just doesn't understand what's going on with them. I'm like, it's, it's pretty self-explanatory that your defense is bad and you can't run the football. When you, when, when, those, when you have that combination between those two, you're typically a five or six win team. It doesn't matter who's quarterback. Um, so. Rams are going to win this game easily, especially since they're at home. Uh, Stafford, I would book for at least three touchdowns passing again. There you go. We're closing off the last three games here. Packers at Ravens. I'm taking the Ravens because oh. I can't pick the Packers. Yeah. <laughs> I do well, pick them when it makes sense. But at this point right here, I really I think that the Ravens might actually have an opportunity to uh, win it. So. At- I thought you were just going to do it despite Rodgers. <laughs> well, I don't – yeah, I mean, that's part of it. But um, I do like – I could make a legit case for the Ravens, though, so. Well, I got to go with 
the Packers here because if oh, Lamar course. Jackson is not playing, then I I don't know what the Ravens have in terms of quarterback that is going to make a difference. Tyler Huntley. It's Tyler Huntley. It's the Bears <laughs> assassin. <laughs> wow. Bears lost to uh, Tyler Huntley, I believe, early Don't, in. Tom, Tom. <laughs> this is not the way to start off the first show, Tom. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm going Packers, though. The Ravens have too many injuries. Uh, they got Dobbins, Calais Campbell on IR, Marlon Humphrey. Uh, there's injuries everywhere. Marcus Peters, Lamar Jackson, is he's on track to play, so he will play. But um, – yeah, I mean, it's just the Packers are the most complete team in football right now. I know that hurts for a lot of Bears fans, uh, mm-hmm. fans just all around here. But it they are, even with the injuries they've had. Uh, Jair Alexander's missed half the year. Their defense is still top 10 in a lot of categories. Um, it's just the Ravens have too many injuries. I think even they almost beat the Browns last week. But I just think there's a chance the Ravens lose three straight games, which I don't know if Harbaugh's done that in recent years. Uh, you don't hear that too often. I know injuries just catch up, but um, the Packers, they're just on a roll right now. They don't seem to have men, like many weaknesses. And uh, if they just continue running the ball with Dylan and Jones and get Devontae in the end zone and still play with the top 10 defense, um, they're probably going to win the whole, the whole thing, or at least get to the Super Bowl. Um, because this is the best Packers team I've probably seen in the past two or three seasons. And I just think, the Ravens, there's too much to overcome. And hey, that's saying Ravens, something. That's saying something considering the past two Packers teams made it to the NFC Championship game. Yeah. Um, that's because tip, typically when they run into uh, Tom Brady or uh, 49ers run game, they fold. they fold. So, um, but no, I mean, I, I this actually, I would say if I had to pick a lock of the week out of all these games, this might be my lock. This or the Cardinals game, just because I think. The Packers are significantly better, and the Ravens, just there's just too much to overcome. I mean, it doesn't matter how good you your coaching staff or your quarterback is. When half your team's injured, there's nothing you can do about it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking a Packers win 31 to, like, 12, 10 maybe, something like that. It's going to be – it could get ugly. All right. Saints and Buccaneers. The Bucs at home with Tom Brady, you got to take the Bucs. <laughs> that's what I'm taking. I don't know about you guys. I'm going Bucks. Uh, you know, Brady is on a roll right now. Godwin's having uh, having a career year. Um, Mike Evans is still the most underrated receiver in all of football. And Leonard Fournette's a top five running back this season. Uh, he's been phenomenal. He's been a good receiving back for them. He's been running it. They get to the goal line. You could basically book him in for a score. Uh, Gronk's back. He's getting healthier. Uh, their defense is not as good as it used to be, but it's still significant. It's still significantly better than half the league. And uh, I don't trust a running back to beat Tom Brady. So Taysom Hill is not going to be enough. And uh, I know Kamara's back, but I mean, there's no Michael Thomas and there's no passing attack for them whatsoever. So the only way I think the Saints could win this game is clock management. And Tom Brady has another bad game against them, which I don't foresee that happening. I think Brady's out for blood. This is typically when he starts to heat up, when middle of the season teams start to doubt him, and then they get on a roll towards the end of the year heading into the playoffs. And I think they could end as the number one seed. You know, it's going to come down to them and the Packers, in my opinion. So we'll see how it goes, but um, I think Bucks win easily. 
to give the Bucks home field advantage, they're winning the Super Bowl. I'm telling you that right now. So um, I'm actually gonna go with the surprise, and I'm gonna say the Saints win this. Trenton win the upset pick. All right, uh, last game Monday night: Vikings at Bears. Tom. Oh, I hate to say it, I really do, but uh, the Vikings are gonna win. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I, you know, I'm in the, I'm in the. Where did I see that coming? You know, um, I, I want, I, I know Matt Nagy owns the Vikings, from he owns Mike Zimmer from a head-to-head standpoint. But I, I'm just pick. I think both these teams are below average. Um, I think they're very similar. I'm just gonna go with the team that's the healthiest, and that's the Vikings. It has the better quarterback. Um, Kirk Cousins is a top 10 quarterback this year. Dalvin Cook had a monster game. And the Bears do are they might not have Akeem Hicks. It sounds like he's not playing. You have Khalil Mack who's out. Eddie Goldman has already been ruled out because of COVID. Um, who's gonna stop the run? I mean, Robert Quinn's not more so he's not a run stopper, he's a pass rusher. And Roquan Smith well, you got is Nichols. Linebacker. You got Nichols. Yeah, I know it's below Nichols, but you know, he's not Eddie Goldman. You know, he's not Eddie Goldman. We also, we also missed Eddie Goldman in the beginning of the year, though, because he was still out for a good portion. So, yeah, I'm not all valid points there, though, Tom. Who's stopping Justin Jefferson? That's the question. I don't think there's a cornerback in the league that could stop him right now. And now there's speculation that Adam Thielen's going to give it a go. Um, so he's making an early return. Uh, he's supposed to be out at least two more weeks. And he's like, he's kind of like Dalvin Cook, where he's just another breed where he's just a guy who's going to go out there. He'll play on one leg if he has to. So um, I got to go with the Vikings just because I think they're going to be able to score more points. The Bears offense is one of the worst in all of football. They're ranked 30th in almost every category. And, like, I believe their passing offense, I, th- I think I saw a stat, where, like, they averaged more passing yards per game back in, like, the 60s than they are right now. And it's like they're only averaging 140-something yards a game passing, which is – historically bad and I just think you know when it comes the Vikings beat them last year in Chicago and the only way the only way the Bears can win this game is if David Montgomery has another outing where he puts up three touchdowns and the Bears are just running all over the Vikings and you're keeping Cousins Cook and Jefferson on the sideline uh, that's the only way I think the Bears could win this game Again, you know, they're home. Vikings have struggled historically at Soldier Field. So it, it's possible. The Vikings lost to the Lions. So I'm not – so this is no lock by any means. But um, I think when you just compare the two on paper with the injuries that are happening and the COVID positives, um, the, the Bears have been hit significantly more than the Vikings have. And the Vikings will be the more healthy team. And um, I'm going to take Kirk Cousins. Even though it's in prime time, I'll still take Kirk Cousins. Well, <laughs> I'm taking the Bears. That that wasn't a doubt anyway. But uh, I didn't think so. Yeah, I mean, you've gotten to know me well over the past two years. So. Yeah. Um, well, I'm gonna go with the. Uh, I'm gonna go with the Bears too. I'm gonna say Justin Fields does something magical, and maybe he does. He played well he his does. last time on Monday night. He played well on maybe prime time is what uh, Justin Fields needs right now. But uh, we'll see. Um, that's uh, when it comes to the Bears pick. I always pick the Bears, no matter what. It's just the fan in me, no matter who they play. Can't can't pick against the home team. 
So. Yeah, um, you know, uh, it's gonna. It all comes down to the to the uniforms, and the Bears are gonna be wearing their uh, their white throwback jerseys on Monday night. Now those are good. I mean, we've only yeah. lost one game wearing those. Vikings will be wearing purple, so uh, we'll see what happens, man. But uh, it's gonna be a good game. Uh, I'm excited for it because I'm at the point where the Vikings have broken my heart and have killed me emotionally so far so much that if they win or lose, I have the same reaction. Yeah. All right. So, how was it, Tom? Your first show. Uh, you know, I'd say it was pretty good. You know, um, it's always nice being able to talk football. I've been at this for a few hours now, so um, I'm always down to talk football. I could talk football forever, and uh, you know, it's it's great uh, having some people that I could kind of talk to and have similar opinions to my own and are at least um, in tune with what's going on in the league. So I can get a different perspective on their viewpoints. So, yeah, it was great. I'm glad to be on here. Well, uh, we're glad to have you and we can't wait to uh, keep doing this with you for, for the foreseeable future. So Absolutely. Glad, glad to have you on. All right. Um, so thanks for listening to the By the Laces podcast. Uh, we'll be back next week with another episode, and we will be back next week. We're not going on another four to three to four week hiatus, hopefully. Um, if anyone missed any part of this, um, no, this is we're not doing this live again. This is because we're on winter break right now. So I'm reading off of the old script. My bad. We're not doing this live on the radio show. So uh, we hope you have a great rest of the week. Don't forget to follow us at Bill Malik 15 Trenton underscore Cito, at Thomas Gorski 33 Please stay safe, get vaccinated, and enjoy another week of football. It just did. Urban Meyer punts the punter into the sun.